This is the Trails Church Podcast. At the Trails Church, our mission is to glorify God by making disciples through the gospel in community and on mission. If you'd like more information about our church, visit our website, thetrails.org. Now here's today's podcast. Open your Bible with me to Exodus chapter 31. One of the clearest memories from my childhood is the moment each night when I would hear my mom walk from the kitchen down the hallway to my room with ice cubes clanking in a glass full of water. It was the sound of another day tucked to rest. On the way to to her room, she would stop by mine and tuck me in and remind me she loved me almost every night. Even this week before we ended a phone call, she repeated the words, I love you. Moms are really good at reminding us of all the important things, including that they love us. But also some other things, like brush your teeth, wash your face, use your manners. And I estimate about 33% of motherhood is telling your children or your husband to turn the lights off. So on this Mother's Day, I wanted to take the opportunity to remind each of the moms something from us. We love you. We are thankful for you. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, Never could it be possible for any man to estimate what he owes to a godly mother. And certainly we owe to you a debt we could never repay. We repeat the important things. And Scripture is no different. Our passage today is the fourth time that the book of Exodus echoes instructions about the Sabbath. The first was when the Israelites were wandering in the desert of sin in Exodus 16. The Lord provided manna for them to gather up and to bake six days of the week, but they were not to gather food on the seventh day because it was considered a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. That's chapter 16, verse 23. The second time was when God spoke to the entire nation of Israel with His voice thundering the Ten Commandments. Alongside the directives not to worship other gods and do not commit murder is also the command, remember the Sabbath day, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. That same command is repeated again in the section known as the Book of the Covenant, and explains how this day of worship was to be a gift received by the people of God, meant to give them rest. Even their animals would rest, and their workers would be refreshed. That's chapter 23, verse 12. Now, as we reach the end of the tabernacle blueprints in chapters 25 to 31, more instructions are sounded regarding the Sabbath. Apparently, the Lord thinks This bears repeating in the lives of his people, that we should take one day a week to walk away from all our work and trust Jesus with it. Let me say that again. One day a week to walk away from all our work and trust Jesus with it. My first inclination was not to preach a sermon on the Sabbath again. We've heard a couple already. Yet, as I spoke to some friends within our church about this passage, I realized uh, they needed to hear it again. No, I'm kidding. 
<laughs> I realized I did. And, uh, and perhaps you do too. I just wonder if there's anyone exhausted from never finding a time to break from work or perhaps anxiety rises in your heart as you suffer from uh, schedule demands. If that's you, this reminder from Scripture is for you. If you can't remember the last time you invested a day with rest and spent extended time with the Lord Jesus, this passage is for you. Perhaps you feel even you know your soul is restless because you have no rest with God, no peace with God. This passage is also for you. So my prayer is as we cover some familiar ground that each of us would hear something fresh from God's word and that our souls would be refreshed together as we collapse together into the completed work of Christ where rest alone is found. It is Christ who said, Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So here's my searching question. Are you resting in Jesus? Are you resting in Jesus? Our text this morning is Exodus 31, 12 to 17. The first part of this chapter included the supernatural ways the Spirit of God filled people for God-glorifying hard work. The second half contains a command to cease from working and to simply rest. The lesson for both Israel of old and for us today is that the work God gives is not ultimately dependent on the workers, but on the one who ordained the work. In this reminder to rest, there are three aspects of the Sabbath that I would like to draw to your attention. First, The Sabbath is a sign to be kept. Second, it is a day of holy rest. And third, it is a practice to be passed down. Would you stand with me once more as we read together from God's holy and inerrant word? Though written long ago, speaks to us today. Exodus chapter 31, beginning beginning in verse 12. And the Lord said to Moses... You are to speak to the people of Israel and say, Above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I, the Lord, sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath, because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that soul shall be cut off from among his people." Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed." The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Amen. The first aspect I want to highlight is that the Sabbath is a sign to be kept. The Lord concludes a series of conversations with Moses while atop Mount Sinai. And he finishes with this phrase, above all. Now let's stop right there and just feel the weight of those words. This is a massive moment. 
God has redeemed Israel from slavery. He's led them to Sinai with a, a pillar of fire and cloud. He has graciously given them the Ten Commandments. He announced the good news of his plan to condescend and dwell among his people. He's even provided the blueprints for all of this to happen. Now, as Moses and the people are to busy themselves constructing the tabernacle, what might you expect God to say to them? I would expect him to say something like, Above all, do everything for my glory. Or above all, Keep your heart humble. Instead, the Lord says, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. And then he explains that the Sabbath is more than a day. It is a sign. The Sabbath is a sign that points to someone and to something. The Sabbath is a sign that points to someone and to something. The someone this sign points to is none other than than the Lord himself. As a matter of fact, our passage began with this distinct adjective describing this day of commanded rest. Did you notice it? My Sabbaths. God is the one who created the Sabbath. He's the one who governs all things concerning it. He is the Lord of the Sabbath. And so the keeping of this day is meant to point all attention to God. Verse 13 clearly states, so that you may know that I am the Lord. No other culture in the ancient Near East had a practice of worship like this. Only Israel. And that's the point. The God of Israel is the one true God. And he has seen fit that the entire life of his people would revolve around him, including their calendar. The Sabbath is also a sign that points to something. That something is the covenantal relationship between God and his people. Verse 17 reads, It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made the heavens and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. So because of their relationship with God, Israel's work was to be a reflection of the original work week where God fashioned all things into being. Their day-to-day life was meant to be a sort of work of recreation. What this verse does is root the command to remember the Sabbath in the very soil of creation. This pattern of six days of work followed by one day of rest was a pattern of God. And now it was to be the pattern of his people that they would use in their lives. So there's so many uh, symmetrical things, as we've seen between Genesis 1 and the tabernacle. And here's no exception. As a matter of fact, if you take all of these conversations that God has with Moses at the top of Mount Sinai and counted them, there are seven. I'm going to ask you a non-rhetorical question. How many days of creation were there? You see the match? Seven conversations God has. The first six of them, the Lord says, and then they're to do something. Now here the seventh day, the Lord says they're to rest from doing anything. Think about the pattern of creation. In six days he made the world and all the heavens. And on the seventh, God rested. So the Sabbath is a sign. 
It points to someone, the Lord, and it points to something, the covenantal relationship that God has with his people. Collin County is well known as a place of productivity, of excelling in the fields of business and education and sports, of getting things done. It's a part of what makes our community so wonderful. However, with the way that we're wired, also come, to use the words of the hymn writer, many dangers, toils, and snares. We can easily fill every moment of our calendar with activities, even good activities, that then turn on us and overwhelm us. And in doing so, we forsake the biblical rhythm of work and rest. Let me just nudge you and ask, what do the signs of your life point to? If, these, if this day is meant to be a sign pointing to God and to relationship with Him, let me ask, does the rhythm of your life point to someone and something? If your friends were to examine the patterns of how you work and rest, is the picture of your life someone who's endlessly striving for more? Or do you work wholeheartedly to the glory of God and then rest well also to the glory of God? Can you take a nap to the glory of God? It's probably one good way to ask it. And all the mothers said. For a long time, in just polite American jargon, uh, you would ask a person, how are you? And they would reply, good. I'm good. Now, that doesn't mean every area of my life is good. It just means in general, generally speaking, I'm good. The word good, though, has been replaced in polite conversation, hasn't it? Now, if a coworker or a friend asks you how you're doing, what's the most common response you hear? I'm, okay, fine, I hear you. Any takers for busy? Any takers for busy? I hear it all the time. I'm busy. What we're wanting to do in that is to project an image of busyness because we've equated busyness with importance. We're all dying to be busy. Or we say, if I can just get through this season, then I can take a break. Friends, you and I were not designed to work seven days a week without rest. We are not high-functioning machines. We are frail human beings who grow tired and who are wholly dependent on the Lord. If the signs of your life are aimed at making yourself look good, and praising all the activity that you've done, they're pointing to the wrong thing. To us who are in Christ, we want our lives, the signs of our lives, to point to the graciousness of who God is and what he has done on our behalf. We want them to point to a living relationship with God. The second truth I want to highlight from this passage is that the Sabbath is a day of holy rest. The Sabbath was a gracious gift from the Lord to bring rest and renewal and refreshing to his people. Often when people think of the Sabbath, they wonder, well, what do we have to do? What is it we have to do on the Lord's day? But originally, this day was the opposite of a to-do list. It was actually a not-to-do list. The Sabbath was simply a commanded rest for God's people to enjoy him through simple acts of worship. At the heart of the Sabbath is God's heart for his people to be holy. 
At the heart of the Sabbath is God's heart for his people to be holy. After the detailed description of this sacred place, which we've read about now for six chapters, a sacred place set apart from the rest of the world, now comes a sacred time set apart from the rest of all time in order for God to meet with his people. While we've heard of this Sabbath in previous places, we're introduced here to some new information we've never seen before. At the front of that is a consequence for breaking the Sabbath. No doubt some of you cringed a little bit as it's Mother's Day and we're talking about being put to death. And some of you thought, did he already read you'll be put to death because he read it twice? No, it's in there twice. So happy Mother's Day to you as we talk about the Lord killing people. Twice the Lord states, if you break the Sabbath, if a person does any work on the Sabbath, they are to be put to death. Only this language is actually stronger in Hebrew than just dying. It's worse than just dying. Death is a part of it, but what would have mattered even more is being cut off from the people. Only two times in the Old Testament is this punishment given, the double punishment of death and being cut off. The first is working on the Sabbath. The second is if you were to sacrifice one of your children to the pagan god Molech. God's taking this very seriously, but let's think about why. Why is this so serious in the eyes of God? Well, it was a sign pointing to the Lord and to his covenant relationship, but it was also a way to keep Israel trusting, not in their works, but in him. So if you worked on the Sabbath day after God repeatedly told you not to, what you were saying in response is, I don't care about relationship with you. I don't care about prioritizing God in my life. Or you're saying, I don't trust in God to provide for me. I'll do it myself. Ultimately, to break the Sabbath was an expression of belief in the lie that is as old as Eden. I will be God of my own life. You see that? The wages of sin is what? Death. The Sabbath wasn't given just to not work and to experience a godless day of relaxation. As we think back to the Ten Commandments, Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 says, Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Let's just examine that phrase for just, just a moment. To remember is more than just to think about something you already know. It carries with it the idea of observing it, of practicing it. So while it was on the seventh day, the word Sabbath does not mean seven in Hebrew. It means ceasing. It means ceasing and carries with it the idea of perfect rest. It's been called a stop working day. The word holy means, as we've seen in Exodus many times now, set apart, consecrated. So while the other six days of the week were meant to be expressions of worship through work, this final day of the week was to be worship through rest. So to put the whole idea together, God's telling his people to observe a holy, consecrated day each week when you cease from work to fill your life with worship. By the time we arrive at the book of Leviticus, Moses gives this application to the command. He writes in Leviticus 23.3, On the seventh day is a Sabbath of solemn rest, a holy convocation. 
A convocation meant that the people were to gather together to worship God corporately as his people. This is the very thing that we've come to do this morning. This is an old tradition that we practice, setting aside one day of the week to worship the Lord. So from this passage, let me encourage you to prioritize the practice of worship in your life. Prioritize the practice of worship. We don't have to think too hard about how if the domino of the fourth commandment is pushed over, the first three topple over as well. Without proper limits, work can become the thing we put first in our lives, breaking the first commandment. All of our accomplishments that we're so passionate and dedicated to can actually become a thing we serve. They can become an idol, breaking the second commandment. And if we're not careful, we will do all of this for the sake of our own glory, for the glory of our name, to look good in front of our peers, to build a resume so we can feel better about ourselves, and in doing so, break the third commandment. Work can come to dominate the whole of life and take the place of God. Your hobbies can come to dominate the whole of life and take the place of God. Your recreation can dominate the whole of life and take the place of God. Your phone can come to dominate all of life and take the place of God. So God commands his people to a lifestyle of not always doing, but also ceasing for the sake of worship. There are many ways that Christians disagree on how we're supposed to apply this commandment of the Sabbath to our lives today under the new covenant of Christ. But most Bible-believing Christians agree that God has commanded his people to gather one day a week to worship. We believe that's true. Still, the average American churchgoer only attends once or twice a month. Sunday worship is penciled in on the calendar unless something more important takes its place. We grab the eraser and just, that's now what we're doing. Instead, let me encourage you to write Sunday worship on your calendar with a pen. To make this the priority of your whole weekly calendar. And to prioritize the worship of God in your life. I have a friend who says Sunday morning worship is a Saturday night decision. And I think that's clever. I also think it's wrong. Because for the Christian, we're not deciding on Saturday night, are we going to lay out football clothes or are we going to lay out church clothes? No, it's decided for us. This is the day set aside where we gather to worship the Lord Jesus. Does that mean you will be here, perfect attendance? Are we keeping record of your perfect attendance? No, we are not. Even the church clothes reference, you, don't have, you can wear whatever you want. You can wear a baseball uniform here. I don't care. But for us as the people of God, let's prioritize his worship and make the Lord's day a holy day of rest. Finally, the Sabbath was a practice to be passed down from generation to generation. I want you to see this. Moms, dads, grandparents, uncles, aunts, older brothers, sisters, passing down what we believe is true to future generations. This goes back to Exodus 16, when the Lord told Moses to put in a jar a piece of manna. He took one place of this miracle bread from heaven and placed it in a jar and then put it in the Ark of the Covenant, which we learned about in Exodus chapter 25. The Lord explained how that bread and the practice of the Sabbath day were to be kept for future generations so that they may see, so that they would commend the good works of the Lord to the next generation. Again, here we find 
Therefore the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. How does something happen throughout the generations? One generation teaches it, models it, imparts it to the next one. Then that generation teaches it, models it, imparts it to the next, and so forth and so on. You see that the Lord designed it so that our faith would be the centerpiece of our lives as his people. He's the one who's redeemed us, set us free, given us such a great salvation. And we want to tell our children and the next generation the marvelous works of the Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 tell us that the Sabbath was a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. So what we're dealing with in the Old Testament, this is like a shadow, but now in Jesus, we've known the substance of perfect and pure rest. Let me just say for a moment, I love Jamie Boswell. And um, I'm certain if we were outside walking and it was a bright day, her shadow on the sidewalk, I would probably be in love with that shadow. But I don't want just the shadow. I want that red-headed woman. Where are you? There you are, yeah. Her glory, her, uh, her goodness, her personhood is far better than just her shadow. And friends, we've, we've received in Christ much more than just the shadow of what all these things were pointing to. Ours is the glory of Christ. We've seen him by eyes of faith. Our hearts have known the goodness of Jesus and the forgiveness of sin that he's brought. And so now we want to do our very best to faithfully commend the Lord to the next generation. And so let me just encourage each of us who are moms, dads, parents, grandparents, your work is far from over, even if you're a grandparent. Practice simple worship practices. Practice simple worship practices. The spiritual disciplines of reading scripture and prayer Family devotions are not something that will just find their way into our schedules on their own. We must prioritize them for the sake of our own souls. To practice them ourselves. To spend time with the Lord Jesus in his word. In prayer. Making church attendance on Sunday a priority for us as we gather with the saints to worship God together. Practice those. And also pass down Simple worship practices. There's nothing complex about this. It's the same stuff Christians have been doing for centuries. Just living the Christian life. Opening up the Bible in our homes. Uh, When our kids were younger, I was super diligent about, we would not go to bed at night if we hadn't had family worship. I've chilled out a little bit now that I'm older. There's a night or a hundred that we've missed. Um... But even that shows our kids, I wanted them to know that the most important thing about our family is the Lord Jesus. I don't want a day to go by without us mentioning him, hearing them pray. I I remember even to this day, I can tell you this morning, before my mom went to church, she was sitting in this chair with her 1984 uh, NIV Bible. uh, And she's been reading that Bible and praying for her children or her grandchildren my whole life, my whole life. And she's passed that down to us, to me, to my siblings. Um, Parents, you're building a tradition right now. You're passing something down to your kids. And you'll do it imperfectly. We've all done it imperfectly. But think through intentionally what it is you're passing down. Do your kids find you reading your Bible? Do your kids know that you pray for them? 
Are you prioritizing the family devotions where you're opening God's word together and just simply praying together? And then, of course, not to applaud us all, but even just being here in this room this morning says a whole lot to your kids. It says a whole lot to your grandkids. You may think, well, I've, I've messed up a ton. There's a lot of things I didn't do, and now it's too late for me. My kids are old. They're set in their ways. No, no, even being here this morning, what a wonderful gift it is you've done. Showing your, your kids the most important thing about your life is what Jesus has done for you. Of course, let me let this be the loudest statement. None of this makes us acceptable before God. Keeping the Sabbath, setting aside one day in seven to rest and to worship does not make you acceptable before God. There's only one way to be made acceptable before a holy God, and that is through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I, you might be here because your mom invited you, and you love her, and maybe she's even paying for lunch, and so you're here. <laughs> I hope she doesn't, but that's the reason you're here. Or, or you're a husband, and your wife said, what I really want is for all the family to go to church. And you haven't been here since Easter, which is just a few weeks ago. Before that, it's been a few years. I don't know why you're here. I just want you to know you're welcome. We are so thankful you're here. And it could be that the Lord Jesus, in his kind providence to you, brought you here this morning to let you know clearly that there is one God and out of love, he made all things. And he is perfect in his holiness. And he created us to share in his glory and goodness. But because of the fall, we were born sinners. And our sin has, has uh, removed us, has separated us from a holy God. And because of our sin, we deserve death. The same kind of death we read, read of in this passage. But out of great love, the God of love, sent his one and only son into the world to live a perfect life in your place and then to die the death that you deserved in your place so that you, a guilty person, might stand before a holy God, completely forgiven. His blood can cleanse the most heinous of sin. And so today, is your heart restless? because you have no peace with God. The God of peace, the God of rest, welcomes you, come. Repent of your sin, lay hold of Jesus Christ by faith, and today you can know him. You can know peace with God once and for all. And to the rest of us who have trusted in him, the question remains, are you resting in him? Or has the busyness of this life, your personal ambitions, your work schedule, your hobbies, have these things crowded out the centerpiece of your life? The Christian life is when Jesus is the center, everything finds its right place. God gave the Sabbath to his people for them to spend time weekly in worship, in rest, and in remembrance. And perhaps the Lord gathered us here this morning to listen to these words we've heard before, but we need to hear them again. Like those same words that my mom repeated each night, the Lord says to us, I love you too much to let you live like everything depends on you. Take one day off a week as a sign of our relationship. Set it aside for worship and as a practice that you'll pass down to your children. 
And may we never outgrow our dependence on the completed work of Christ. And may we rest in his grace and be constantly refreshed by his spirit at work in us. Trails Church, remember to rest. Let's pray. Lord, would you help us in this good work you've called us to? Let us be a people who, whose lives are a sign pointing to the glory of God into a living relationship with you. Be worshipped seven days of the week from our lives in all of our working that you've called us to, that you've ordained good work. And let us find in you continual rest for our souls. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from The Trails Church. We hope you have been encouraged, equipped, and edified by time spent together in God's Word. And again, if you'd like to find out more about The Trails Church, visit our website, thetrails.org.